To our new passengers, aloha and welcome. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone, and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. The show will begin momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast, provided on our own version of the information highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking please. Thank you. Dave's Disney View is a look at the Walt Disney World Resort and sometimes beyond, as seen through the eyes of Dave, a frequent visitor, a one-time cast member, and an engineer who simply enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. Now, please keep your party together and put on your virtual mouse ears. And by all means, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's show, I wanted to answer some more questions that have come in to me. As always, keep those questions coming to davesdisneyview at gmail.com, and I'm happy to answer your Disney-related questions, whether it's about planning or uh, the experience or actually going into the parks. I'm happy to uh, take on your questions and try and provide an answer for you. So let's start off with a uh, question from Cecilia. Uh, When you get a day pass for the Magic Kingdom, can you go in and out of the park in the same day, uh, or once you leave the park, is that it? Well, the good news, uh, Cecilia, is that that is not it. When you buy a day pass, you have the ability to come and go from the same park as many times as you want. So if you come into the Magic Kingdom, say, at 9 o'clock in the morning or you're there when rope drops, you can hang around the park and maybe, say, at, like, 12 o'clock, you head out. Maybe you want to go out to one of the hotels to have lunch. You can leave and go do that. Come back in the park for a couple of hours and ride a couple of attractions. Leave again at 3 or 4 o'clock to uh, miss the heat of the day and uh, go back to your hotel or just enjoy some other respite for a little bit, and then come back in the park to close out the evening and then leave when you're ready. So you can come and go as many times as you want on that same pass uh, in the same park. Now, there is a distinction here if you uh, are planning to go to another park. That counts as a different park entrance. So say you went to the Magic Kingdom and you were there from 9 to, say, noon, and you left and you went over to Epcot, uh, and you got to Epcot at 1 and you stayed till 4 o'clock. That would count as a second day entrance because you went into another park. And that's unless, of course, you buy the park hopper, in which case it would uh, count uh, for a single day. So the way the passes work is when you buy a multi-day pass without park hopping, each entrance into a different park counts as a day. So if you were to go to different parks on the same day, it would count as a day. But if you were to use the park hopper feature, each day counts as its own day, no matter how many parks you go to. So just kind of keep that in mind as you're planning up your, your park visits and what you want to purchase. One thing I'd like to remind you about that I say occasionally is that you can buy a multi-day pass with park hopping and no expiration and hold on to those passes essentially indefinitely. And a tip I got the other day that I thought was pretty good, you can even buy your tickets in advance. Say you're not planning on, planning on going until November but you want to buy park tickets now because maybe there'll be a price increase in the near future, hard to say, Uh, you can go ahead and purchase the park tickets now and hold on to them. They don't start their clock ticking until you actually use it the first day. Whether or not you um, 
uh, you purchase the no expiration. The no expiration option starts 14 days after the first use. So since you haven't used it yet, you're not, you don't have the clock ticking on it, so you can certainly purchase the tickets and hang on to them. Kim writes, we are DVC members, and of course we've been to the world many times, but want a little advice on an upcoming trip. We got a great deal and we'll be staying off-site, off-property, and renting a car for the first time. My question is, where do you recommend we park when we go to the parks? We have park hoppers, so should we just park at the TTC and go from there? Or should we park, let's say, at the Magic Kingdom and then park hop from there? Also, what's the cost of parking? And do they offer a weekly parking pass? Okay, let's take these on one at a time. Driving is a great way to get from park to park and be able to get around easily and move around to see different parks and different uh, things that you want to see. So to answer the second part of the question, what I sometimes will do is if I'm going to park hop, I'll park near the second park that I'm going to do in a day. So if I was going to go, say, to the Magic Kingdom and Epcot in that order, I might park at Epcot so that way I can take the monorail back to the Magic Kingdom to start my day. Then when I'm done in the Magic Kingdom, I take the monorail back to Epcot. And when I'm done at Epcot, I can just get in my car and leave. I don't have to take the monorail back because by that time I'm pretty tired during the day. And it's nice to have a little break and be in the air conditioning of the uh, monorail or a bus if you're going to a different park uh, during the day while you're moving between parks. So it really depends on which way you want to do it. Of course, you could park at the park you're going to start at and work from that direction as well. Now, as for parking... The parking cost is about $14 a day, uh, subject to change, of course, but uh, you would uh, pay the price once at a toll booth, and they'll give you a pass, and anytime you go to one of the other parks, they'll let you in with that same pass. So you can actually park hop with your car and take it to another uh, toll booth, and they'll go ahead and just let you in because you've already paid once. Now, I'm assuming you didn't say you were an annual pass holder. If you are an annual pass holder, parking is included, so you you can just show your annual pass and they'll let you park. You don't have to pay the $14. There is not, unfortunately, a weekly pass to park. You have to pay the parking fee each day. Now, I have heard about AAA offering a special parking pass. If you booked a vacation through AAA, they'll give you a parking pass that's good. It's like a coupon book, good for a couple of days to go into the parks. You can park in whichever parking lot is appropriate. So you could use that if you happen to book through AAA. Now, I've seen some of these for sale on eBay. Now, I'm not recommending that anyone buy any uh, ticket or media like that on eBay. Just as a hypothetical, if you were to do that, you could use those coupons and park that way. The challenge here, of course, is that always these tickets are non-transferable by definition. So, you know, if you were to get caught, they could rescind the parking and then you'd have to pay the fee. But, you know, you take your chances how you feel you want to. It's just a question of buying something on the Internet that you're not sure about and you're not sure what you're going to get. And you're not sure if it's going to work for you. So I would recommend just going ahead and paying the $14 and uh, uh, just going in and out of the parks. Look, if you've got a really good rate at a hotel then by all means, it's worth it. Uh, I know that when we look at hotels, personally, we look at the cost of the hotel, and we kind of figure in $14 a day to park. So if we're staying off-property, if the on-property hotel is $100, let's say, and the off-property hotel is $86, you know, those two are equivalent in a way because it's the same cost because I'm going to add the $14 for parking. But if the difference is $120 on-property and $80 off-property, then it's, you know, the the... A difference is, is a little more reasonable. You're talking about a, a more than $20 difference, so it's worthwhile staying off property. So it's really just kind of doing the math and figuring out how to add $14 into your day. You figure you go in and you eat a lunch or something, and it's going to cost you somewhere around that same amount, so it's not a huge deal, to, not a huge amount that you have to pay. Now, I did want to clear up one more thing. You mentioned in there, should we park at the TTC or the Magic Kingdom? Well, 
probably as a DVC member, you just don't realize the distinction here. Now, for those of us who go in the park all the time and drive, we know that there's really no distinction between the two. When you park in the Magic Kingdom, you're actually parking in the Magic Kingdom parking lot, and you're going to take the tram over to the TTC. There is technically no parking at the TTC. You're just at the Transportation and Ticket Center, and you're able to get easily to Epcot in the Magic Kingdom, but there's really no parking for it specifically. You would park in the Magic Kingdom parking lot and work your way over from there. So it's really up to you which way you want to go and what you think you'd like to do and how you'd like to engage the bus and transportation system between the parks. Um, Many times when I'm going back and forth between it, as I say, I'll just drive my car between the parks. It makes life a little easier. That's not to say I do it all the time, but uh, that does make it a little easier when you do do it. Jenny writes in and asks, we're staying at the resort for 10 nights, but only have six days worth of Disney passes. Because we're staying in the resort for 10 days, uh, we have the meal plan for 10. Can we eat at Downtown Disney on the days we don't go into the parks? You don't need tickets to get in there, correct? And then finally, will the shuttle take us there? And the answers to your question is you're in, you're in good shape here. Downtown Disney uh, and, the, uh, and the Pleasure Island and the West Side and the Marketplace and the whole thing, that's all one area. And uh, the buses do go there. Transportation does travel from all of the resort hotels down to that area. There is no admission charge to get in there. It's um, shopping and dining and some other activities that are around that area. I frequently will go there on the last day of my trip to have a little Disney magic without going into a theme park. It makes it kind of fun, and I don't have to kind of go in and out of the theme park. The other good news is your Disney dining plan vouchers will work at most of the restaurants there at at, uh, Downtown Disney. Uh, I would check the... uh, various websites to see which ones are up to date. You can go to Disney, uh, DisneyWorld.com. I have an up-to-date listing, of course, of which of the restaurants will accept the Disney Dining Plan vouchers. Uh, so you want to check with that just to make sure that it's up to date. But for the most part, most of them do. I think the exceptions there are the Hard Rock Cafe and the uh, T-Rex. Um, I believe also over at the Animal Kingdom, the other exception is the um, uh, Rainforest Cafe. But I think otherwise, pretty much every establishment on Disney property, with the exception of McDonald's, is on the main drive. Do take the vouchers for your meals. So you can certainly just use it and be able to uh, get your meals and uh, have them included as part of what you do. And Downtown Disney is just a fun way to go and spend a little time and just hang out. Um, If you get a chance to see Cirque du Soleil, highly recommend that. It's a great show. Uh, really a lot of fun. And um, also, if you, um, if you like the uh, indoor entertainment type environment where you have the, uh, uh, the video games and so forth, the uh, Disney Quest might be a lot of fun for you. Uh, it's a small admission charge to get in there, but uh, certainly that's something you could do for a day. There's movie theaters there, so if you want to just catch a movie, you can go over and catch a movie. That's another option you'd have. Uh, so there's a couple of different things you can do uh, right there at Downtown Disney. So it's a fun way to kind of spend a day and not really do too much. The other option you have on a non-park day is to go over to one of the Disney water parks or to one of the Disney miniature golf courses. They're a lot of fun, both of them. They all have an admission charge, of course, but uh, you can certainly go in and check those out and have a little fun on days that you're not going into the parks. So you might want to just check into that for for something you can do during the day. Uh, There's some other activities that you can do. The other option is to uh, take some time over at the boardwalk, which I find is a lot of fun. The boardwalk is just very pleasant and just a good time. You can do a little resort hopping back and forth. And the other thing that I like to do on days when I'm not in the parks is simply resort hop on the monorail loop. Just go ahead and take a, uh, take a little time and go around and visit the resorts and see what they have to offer. It's a good time, and I think you'll enjoy yourself. And by the way, have a great trip. Frank writes in and asks, I don't have a credit card. Is it possible to pay for your trip using only gift cards and cash? Okay, this is a good question and something that I was asking myself recently. I have a couple of gift cards, and I'm going to be going up to the world soon. And I was trying to figure out if I could uh, do a hotel stay by using only gift cards. The gift cards I have are not... Uh, 
are not Disney gift cards. If you have any sort of Disney gift card, whether it's through the Disney Visa card or whether it's through um, one of these uh, gift cards that they offer at some of the kiosks around, uh, you can use those to book your hotel stay. It will let you do it even online. If you have another branded product with a bank, uh, you can use those if you call in and they uh, pre-authorize it for the amount that you're going to be charging. The challenge is if you want to do it online and you don't want to talk to someone and you want to kind of work through it, you can't use one of these branded bank cards to be able to, uh, to, to do the charging while you're online. But if you can get past that, when you get to the hotel um, at the resort, you can pay for everything with your gift card. You can also, along the way, you can pay for everything you go through your, uh, your stay, whether you're buying merchandise, theme park tickets, whatever it is that you're going to purchase. You can purchase all of that using any kind of gift card that you have, whether it's a Disney gift card or whether it's a, a bank gift card. You can use those any way you want and be able to uh, go in and out and, and spend your money that way. The only exception is when you go through the toll booths at the, uh, uh, going into the, um, the various theme parks, you cannot use the uh, gift cards there. You have to use a uh, you have to use cash to pay for that. That's the only exception, but otherwise you can get away pretty much uh, just using gift cards. And certainly cash will work anywhere. So if you don't have a uh, regular credit card, you can still uh, pretty much you can still use all these gift cards to uh, to pay for your vacation. Now here's a little tip for you. Once in a while, you'll find a way to uh, get a discount on gift cards. So every once in a while, you'll hear about a promotion that somebody is running. Usually, it'll be at some retail store, some retail establishment. They'll be you know, offering 10% off on gift cards uh, with a certain purchase in the store. Uh, so you'll see that happen. And if they happen to have some sort of Disney gift card there, you can certainly purchase those at the discount and then use them on your Disney vacation. Uh, similarly, the uh, bank gift cards work that way. I've seen American Express gift cards and others that come up once in a while, and they'll have promotions in various uh, ways where they offer you a little bit of a discount if you make so many so many dollars in purchases from the uh, from the store. They'll give you like a 10% discount or whatever on the card, in which case you're getting a slight discount and can use that to pay for your vacation. If you're using the Disney Visa card, you can uh, use the, uh, the gift rewards card that they give you, like cash, and use that at any uh, Disney establishment as well and go around and use it how you want to use it. Um, just remember to treat any of these like cash when you're using them and make sure you keep track of what's left on the card so that way you can uh, effectively manage how much money is left. But it's a good question, and it was something I was thinking about, and uh, it works out pretty well if you don't have a credit card or you want to use up these gift cards that you may have accumulated from somewhere. Uh, so that's uh, certainly something you can do. And as I said, I've done it a few times where I've had some gift cards left over from various things, and I'll just use them and kind of uh, take advantage of the opportunity to just use up the gift cards and get a little bit of my Disney vacation uh, paid for that way. Jim writes, this coming November will be our first trip ever to Walt Disney World during the Christmas season. We've always gone in early September because of the low crowds and free dining. But this time, we were taking my daughter on a surprise trip for her 13th birthday and thought a Christmas time trip would be something new for all of us. Can't wait for the surprise part, picking her up from her school when her bags are packed and then jumping right on the plane. So a couple of questions for you. Number one, we already have our tickets for the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party on December 2nd. Hopefully a good day to go. Do you have any tried and true strategies that work to see most of the essential things at the party? We'd like to focus on the characters and shows because we can do the rides anytime. Okay, so let me answer that question first before I go on to the rest of your questions. Yes, uh, I have a couple of strategies for you. The, the key is there's fewer people allowed in the park during the Christmas party and the Halloween party. So when you go in there, you have an opportunity to kind of take it all in and just enjoy it. I'd recommend you hit one or two attractions because it's kind of neat to see the attractions with very low crowds. Pick a couple that you like and just go in there and you can, you can ride them a little bit. 
But you also want to try to pick out where the characters are going to be. Typically during the Christmas parties, the characters are dressed in holiday theming. So it's kind of fun. You get to see them in a different environment than you normally would. The lines get a little long sometimes, but not that long. So you can kind of go out. I know Donald Duck sells uh, Christmas trees, and I think Scrooge comes out sometimes, and he's out there. Uh, Mickey's dressed in his winter wear. And uh, there's some fun things like that that you can do when you see the characters. So make sure you know where the characters are. Just get a, a listing in advance before you go in if you can. Um, and one thing you can do, uh, the parks actually open for people who are going to the party starting at 4 o'clock. Even though the party doesn't actually technically start until 7, at 4 o'clock you can go in the park and you can kind of get a lay of the land. You can pick up the guide map, you can start talking to cast members about where the uh, characters will be and so forth, and have a couple of hours to get a feel for things, maybe even ride a couple of attractions as the day is winding down. When you go in, they'll give you a wristband, and that'll uh, indicate that you can stay in the park past the uh, 7 o'clock hour. So at 7 o'clock, they start shooing everyone out who's not wearing the wristband. So it's a great way to kind of spend a little time and just be able to, uh, to get a feel for it. Then you want to go around and see all of the different characters you can and just get in there and see things. A couple of other neat things they do, don't miss the parade. The parade is great. Uh, I believe they do it twice on most nights. Um, they have a little snow falling, and uh, it's just a lot of fun to, to be able to see the parade and the, and the holiday theming and so forth. And just enjoy it. It's, it's really a good time. They also have um, carolers around different places, so you want to make sure you see them. The park is, of course, all decorated. And they have hot chocolate and cookies at various stations around the park, and you want to make sure you take advantage of those. And if they have any photo opportunities, make sure you take them. It's just a great opportunity, anything unusual, something different that you might get to see, to help commemorate your trip in some way. Um, so the photo, photo pass photographers will be around different places, and they're to take pictures of you so that you have a nice, memorable vacation. And then the second question from Jim is, the Osborne Family of Lights worth it? We're going to spend an evening at Hollywood Studios to check them out. Are they on all evening, and is it something you can see at just your convenience, or are there specific show times? Okay, personally, if you listen to my podcast with Kurt last year where we talked about the uh, Osborne Spectacle of Lights, I think it's absolutely worth seeing. It's just something that's just so astronomically different from anything you've ever seen before. If you think you've seen Christmas lights before, think again. This is a whole other experience. You really get to take in something that's really unique and different, and it's well worth your time to go in there and see it. And you want to spend a little time in there. The shows go on continuously. They keep rerunning different things. They have different sequences they run, but they repeat themselves over time. So you want to go in at, at a time that's right for you. Um, they're every evening. Uh, some nights they have different things where they uh, give you, like, different um, special glasses that you can see, like little um, snowflakes or angels or something in the, in the lights. It's, it's really very clever. And then when the music starts playing and the lights are pumping, it's really, really cool. I think it's definitely worth seeing. If you're planning on spending a day in the studios anyway, I would stay around and just hang around and see that uh, see the lights. I think you'll have a great time just checking them out. They're really a lot of fun. I really enjoy the lights. It's just really something neat. If you want to hear more about the Osborne Spectacle lights, um, I'd recommend you go back and listen to my podcast from early December last year where I talk about the lights and how they came to fruition and how they came to the Disney company. And then the third part, uh, what resorts are decorated for the holidays and which ones are worth going out of your way to see? Okay, the short answer is all the resorts have some sort of thematic decoration. They do something at all the resorts. The deluxe resorts are more elaborate than the, uh, the value resorts. But every resort has some sort of theming. Everything around Walt Disney property has some sort of theming. Even if you go to downtown Disney, you'll see some theming around there. It's all about, you know, kind of building that, that whole holiday spirit. Um, while it is Christmas, Disney likes to think a little bit more outside the box and tries to call it the holidays. So you can see some different things. The ones that I really like are the ones on the resort monorail loop. 
So as you go in, the Contemporary Resort has some really neat things that they've set up, especially outside where they have the giant tree. The Grand Floridian is spectacular the way it has uh, the uh, gingerbread house and some of the other decorations they've put up. And as you see each resort, you'll see some different things on there. I would also recommend just going online and looking around and seeing what's there. I just enjoy going in and checking out all the different hotels. It's just fun to see what they've done differently this year versus last year. A lot of times it's very similar, but they make some subtle changes that make it kind of worthwhile. And every resort has its own way of kind of managing it and puts up a tree and does the whole thing that really makes it pretty interesting. And they're all a little different from each other. And, of course, one other thing that I'd like to recommend is you spend a little time and talk to some of the cast members there about how they spend their holidays back in their their home country if they're not from the United States. You'll get a little bit more of a flavor of it and maybe get a different feel for what the holiday season is all about. So something else to think about as you go through the holiday season. And Jim, have a great time and really enjoy yourself at the Walt Disney World Resort. That time of year you're going, right between Thanksgiving and Christmas, is a great time to go. You'll see that the park crowds will be relatively low and you'll have a really good time. The weather should be really pleasant and I think you'll really, you'll really enjoy the season and just enjoy yourself while you're there. Next up is a question from Brandy. My five-year-old son has recently become obsessed with Horizons through watching the YouTube videos. He found the Disney Park Stars figure of the butler and fell in love with it. I found it on eBay. It will be one of his Mickey gifts on the day of our trip. Mickey likes to leave him gifts in his car seat so he finds them when we get ready to leave for Disney. I saw that for Epcot's 25th anniversary, the butler was on display. Is he still on display somewhere in Epcot? My son would be so surprised to see him. Okay. If you don't know what she's talking about, what she's talking about is in the Horizons exhibit. As you went along and were looking at Future World, uh, the future of uh, mankind, there was the, uh, the, the view of a butler who was doing everything around the house, and he was cleaning up the house, and in one scene he's actually vacuuming. That butler is now on display in One Man's Dream over in the Hollywood Studios. If you walk through One Man's Dream near the end of the exhibit, you'll see a display with some of the old Epcot archives there, and uh, the robot is on, uh, on display there, so you can see him. So that's the good news. You can go in and check that out. I'm sure he'd be thrilled to see that. There are also, I've seen some pins and some vinylmations that are related back to Horizons. So you might want to keep an eye out for those and kind of keep, uh, um, keep looking around because you might find exactly what you're looking for in some other form. Every once in a while, Disney will release some new uh, figures and different things that, that evoke memories of old attractions. So you may see this pop up. I wouldn't be surprised if you see it pop up again. So just kind of keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, I think, you'll, I think your son will be pleasantly surprised to see the actual robot that's there. And our final question comes from Casey. I'm going to Disney World with some friends this summer, and I'm really excited to try some tougher rides. Looking ahead, I have some high hopes, Expedition Everest, Splash Mountain, uh, Space Mountain, and so on. But I know that when I get there, I'll probably chicken out. On a trip to Universal last year, I skipped out on a few rides that I would have liked to have tried because my nerves got the best of me on those freaky cues. I rode Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey and was totally terrified, but afterwards I wanted to ride again. I also handled Spider-Man pretty well, but I steered clear of the biggies like Mummy and the Hulk. I'm just looking for some reassurances because I'd really like to try Expedition Everest, Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and the Dinosaur. I'm also dying to do Soren, but have this height thing that's freaking me out a little. I haven't been to Disney since I was a much more anxious kid. I think the worst ride I've ridden is the Haunted Mansion, to be honest. Do you think I can handle these rides? How do I... How do I keep less anxious? This may be the last chance I have to conquer Walt Disney World for quite a while, so I'd like to try uh, as much as I can. Thanks. Casey, you've asked this question to somebody who's a bit of a chicken himself. I have a little bit of an um, inner ear issue, and I have some issues riding a lot of attractions that have a lot of movement. I even have trouble on flights sometimes, I think I've mentioned. It's just that's the way I am. 
it's uh, it's kind of tricky, and I have a little bit of you know it's the, it's the movement thing that gets to me. You have to kind of keep in mind it's it's a relaxation thing. Just keep in mind that these are just rides. It's just an attraction. It's as safe as it can be. Um, you're going to get off the attraction. You're going to have a great time. I've ridden most of the attractions, actually all of the attractions at Magic Kingdom except for Space Mountain. Um, I've never ridden Expedition Everest. I've never ridden Dinosaur. But I try to but I try to take in everything else that I can. Now, that's not to say I will ever go on any of them again, but at least I got to experience them. So what you need to do is go with your friends, relax, get in line, and just go to the end and decide what you want to do when you get there. Sometimes the queues are a lot of fun, and just joking around with your friends can really be a lot of fun. And when you get up to the front and you get to that cast member, you can ask for the chicken exit. There is no shame in that. Trust me, done it myself many, many times. You can always walk up to the front and go, where's the chicken exit? And they'll just point you to how to get out of there. And if you do decide you want to go, you can take it on and just enjoy it. Like I said, it's really just about relaxing and just taking it on. It's really not that bad. Sometimes it's just you have to kind of put it in perspective that it's just a ride. It's going to last five minutes or whatever uh, it is. And you're just going to have a really good time just kind of going along with it and just enjoying what it's worth. And you may decide you never want to go on any of them again. And that's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't freak yourself out thinking about it. Now, I have a friend who swears by Dramamine. He will go on any attraction anywhere. He has a little bit of motion sickness, but he just takes the Dramamine before, he, before the day starts. He says he's good for the whole day. Now, if your issue is queasiness, then that might be an answer for you. But if it really is just a little bit of psyching yourself out, then you just need to relax and enjoy it. Just talk to your friends and have some fun. Ask a cast member what they think of the attraction when you go up there and just have a little fun with it. You know, just take it for what it's worth. If all you're doing is psyching yourself out, but you really don't have a problem with it, then all you need to do is just kind of relax and enjoy it. So that would be my take. Give them a shot. Give a couple of rides a shot. You know, kind of build up to it. Look at the, look at the attractions and kind of build up to it. Um, you know, some of the attractions like uh, Splash Mountain really isn't, that, really isn't that bad. There's one drop inside of Splash Mountain before you get to the outside big drop. And the big drop only lasts about, what, seven seconds or something. So it's really not a long drop at all. And then it's over. And you're down at the bottom and you're having some fun and you're laughing about it. But the ride itself is great. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad has a couple of twists and turns that kind of move you around a little bit, but it's really not that bad if you really look at the big picture. So you might want to start with a couple of those that are a little bit simpler. Um, they're mainly outdoors, and you get to see you can see daylight, and it kind of takes away the anxiety just a little bit, and then kind of work from there. You know, decide what you can do based on what you were able to do on these on these couple of rides. So that would be my take on it and my suggestion. And I hope it works out for you and you have a great time. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I've answered some of your Disney-related questions. If you have additional questions or comments, feel free to keep them coming in to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I'd be happy to take your questions and answer your Disney-related questions. And that's all for now. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. From all of us, thanks for taking a listen to the podcast today. If you're standing, please hold onto the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the show stops completely and the doors open. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your personal belongings, watch your head and step, and take small children by the hand. As this concludes our journey, we hope that you enjoyed the show and that you drive home safely. Our thanks go to Doug at geekacres.net for his contributions to the show, and also to Craig. For the original music you hear on the show, you can find Craig's music over at ReverbNation.com slash sound A. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the show, please feel free to contact Dave at 
davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Show notes and links to other great content on the web can be found at disneypodcast.net. Now, I will raise the safety bar, and a podcaster will follow you home. Ha 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 